Hello, this is episode 205. In this episode, we wrap up our little mini series on the PAC process or the paid as consultant process with a fantastic conversation I think you're going to enjoy. I'm speaking with Beck and Glenn and they recently completed a renovation of their Queenslander home in Brisbane and they used the pack process during their design phase. Now, back when I used to do one-to-one design services with clients, they worked with me to create some initial design concepts and then they moved on to work with building designer Aaron Wales, who you met in episode 203, and then with builder Dwayne Pierce, who was on our last episode. And as a collaborative team, they developed their preferred design concept that I'd done into costed construction drawings, and then they kicked off the renovation on site and then completed the home in early 2021. Beck and Glenn were also members of my online program, The Home Method, both before and during their project as well. So I know it's going to be really great for you to hear their experience firsthand, and I'm so grateful for them jumping on the podcast because it's so valuable to get these types of insights from homeowners who are actually doing this and have recently finished, and it's all still fresh in their memory. So remember, you can also access the resources and the information mentioned in this episode by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 205. That's the numbers 205. I've popped them all there for you. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Get It Right podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. With over 25 years industry experience, I've worked with loads of homeowners like you to create family homes that work, feel great and that you feel great in. I'm a wife and a mum to three kids who, thanks to our own renovations, they all learned to climb ladders before they walked. And I'm a registered architect who is passionate about you feeling informed, educated and empowered as you design, build or renovate your home. Now, if you're up for some frank and open conversation about the true nitty gritty of designing, building and renovating based on professional and personal experience across hundreds and hundreds of homes, well, you're in the right place. Undercover Architect is an award-winning online business and resource that began in mid-2014 and it's all about teaching you how to create a fantastic, feel-good family home. One that works for you now and into the future. One that is sustainable and affordable and that helps you live a great lifestyle both in and beyond your home. So whether you're renovating or building, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget, consider Undercover Architect your secret ally in helping and teaching you how to get it right. Now before we jump into this podcast episode, a quick shout out to my sponsors. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by me and my free online workshop, Your Project Plan. I actually created this online workshop because I so regularly see a lot of time and money get wasted in renovation and building projects. And this happens largely because homeowners just don't know what they're supposed to be doing next. So that makes it really easy to make missteps, to take the wrong advice, or to actually skip important parts of your project that will catch you out down the track or worse, mean that you miss out on things that you really wanted in your home. Learn how to avoid serious and expensive mistakes, what to do next, whatever stage you're at in your project, and also access some great bonuses too by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. And that's project plan spelled P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. That's undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. Take the guesswork out of the next steps you need to take in your project journey and sign up today for free for this great online workshop. And now let's get on with the episode. Here we go. 
Okay, before we jump into the conversation, let me introduce you to Beck and Glenn. Beck and Glenn and their two kids live in Brisbane, and they first got in touch with me in August 2019 when I was still providing one-to-one design services, and I had a package called Renault Rescue, and this was their email. It was written to me by Glenn. He said, my wife and I have lived here for nearly 10 years, and we share this space with our two children, aged nine and a half and seven and a half. The house is a two-bedroom, pre-1946 gabled colonial cottage on a 405 uh, square metre small lot and it's uh, east facing to the rear. We really love the location. Our street is a quiet leafy cul-de-sac which has close proximity to the city, bike paths, parks and the kids' school and there's a lot to love about our house too. That being said, with a growing family, the time has finally come to make some improvements. Does that sound familiar? I know lots of homeowners will arrive at Undercover Architect in a similar position and so that may be super familiar for you too. I may have just described your own scenario. Now with a tight budget and a desire to create a long-term family home with an efficient use of space, I worked with Beck and Glenn to create a few design options. The preferred option that they chose, uh, it proposed raising the existing home, building it underneath and then renovating the upper floor of the existing house. Now they took their preferred option and then they continued their design development, the approvals and the documentation process with Aaron Wales from Green Coast Building Design and then Dwayne Pierce of D Pierce Constructions was their builder. Beck and Glenn experienced the PAC process or the Paters Consultant process firsthand and with an old home that could have triggered lots of surprises and unexpected costs, it'll be great to hear how the PAC process helped them and whether they had any doubts and their thoughts on their experience overall. It's also worth mentioning some information about the home itself. Now, you can head to the link www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 205, the number's 205. I've put the floor plan there of their preferred option. So you've got a lower and an upper floor plan. Um, I thought it would be helpful for you to be able to see the preferred option that I did for them in their design concept work. You'll see from that design that the house is under 200 square metres in size. I think it was just over 193 square metres. And that included the outdoor covered areas and also the car parking space. The home had three bedrooms and a bathroom and then a little study area upstairs. And then downstairs, there's an open plan kitchen, living, dining area, a laundry, another full bathroom and a multi-purpose room that acts as the fourth bedroom slash second living space slash guest bedroom. And then there's also a covered alfresco area opening up to the back garden. Now, it's a family home that's packed full of functionality and flexibility without it being oversized. And you'll hear more about how Beck and Glenn actually arrived at the brief that they had and the decisions that they made along the way to be able to preserve that compact size in their home. Beck and Glenn actually created an Instagram account for their project that you can check out and see progress. You can find it at at small gabled cottage and I've got a link for that in the resources as well if you want to go and have a look at it. It's really great to be able to follow the progress. This is actually the first time that I've had the pleasure of speaking with Beck and Glenn since they completed their project. I've never met them in person. Uh, All of my services at the time were offered remotely so It was actually so awesome to be able to jump back on uh, and chat with them and you know they've been in their finished home for a little while now and so I was just so excited to hear about their experience of the home, what it's like to live in and how they found the whole journey of renovating it and just it was just so lovely to be able to share this conversation on the podcast because I know it's going to be super helpful for you as well. So let's hear from Beck and Glenn about their home renovation now. Well, Beck and Glenn, I am, I actually can't tell you how excited I am to have you on the podcast because uh, being podcast listeners, you'll probably know that there's, I don't think I've ever had 
clients and members of the home method actually come in to have a whole conversation about their project. We've had Q&As here and there, but to be able to have a conversation with you both about your experience with a recently finished renovation, one that I did the initial design concepts for and that I know that you worked with Aaron and Dwayne to make real. And uh, yeah, I'm just super grateful that you're willing to have this conversation with me because I know it's going to be incredibly helpful for those that are listening and uh, to hear your insights and and to hear your experience firsthand. You've both been incredible people to work with. Just um, I was saying before we jumped in, if I could clone you several hundred times over you know we'd, we'd it'd be brilliant so um and I find too I uh, as a side note I find that the community inside Undercover Architect is full of people like you that are just um so I just have the privilege of working with on a day-to-day basis so it's really lovely to be able to reconnect with you after all this time of having worked with you initially and be able to diving into this conversation together could you just spend a minute maybe introducing yourselves and, and letting us know a bit about your home and your project, what you were seeking to achieve when you embarked on this renovation and reached out to me all that time ago? So, um, yeah, it Go, goes way back. Uh, I think we contacted you probably almost two years ago now. And um, having lived in our house for about 10 years at that point, so uh, uh, we bought this place in 2009 when... Beck was pregnant with um, our firstborn, and uh, you know, we when we bought the house, we always knew there was a lot of opportunities. Just a small little cottage, um, and uh, but we loved it straight away, yeah. didn't we? Like it, it had a real the happy vibes, um, even though that there was work to be done. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it was one of those typical old uh, cottages where you know, built in the late eighteen hundreds. Um, the it, it was on stilts, but underneath had been kind of built in at different various uh, times over over the course of its history and uh, yeah there was a lot of things that needed to be rectified. The bathroom was downstairs and the previous owners told us that when they bought the house there was no internal staircase to the bathroom so they used to have to go outside to get to the toilet so they'd put in internal stairs when they'd bought the house so. Yeah and um, yeah so originally it was just a two-bedroom house so um, they had an extra third bedroom which wasn't really a third bedroom uh due to not being legal height uh so that once again that was one of those things that we wanted to fix at some point uh, along with the just general maintenance um of of a really old cottage so and because uh we didn't have a grand plan for what we wanted to do we didn't know how to renovate or what to do there was lots of things that needed fixing like the front stairs we we patched and bogged and nursed along because we knew if we were going to raise the house then we'd have to rip out the stairs so we didn't want to spend money on stairs until we knew what the grand plan was yeah and we had a bit of what I know you refer to in your podcast as analysis paralysis we went round and round in circles trying to figure out should we sell and buy somewhere else no we really loved our area should we renovate we didn't know how you know that's sort of how we you know, yeah, started where, our journey. Where do you start? And then, you know, I found your podcast and the reason we're sitting here is all because of that. And um, I think Glenn may actually have typed into Google, how do you get it right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that was a good choice of keywords on, on your uh, podcast name. So <laughs> The SEO would have gone bing, bing, bing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I remember, yeah, um, 
looking at your site and, and finding a few of the, you know, all this fr- lovely free information that was given away. And I was like, wow, this is, this is some, there's some answers here. And I showed Beck and she was like, oh, okay, this is, makes a bit of sense. So yeah, we, that, that was kind of day one for us really to kind of get focused and, and um, move on. And then it, fortunately um, you were doing the one-on-one, uh, you know, design concepts at that stage. And, but, you know, that was at, you know, limited numbers as well. So, um, yeah, we were really fortunate to have you on board for that because, you know, the other thing was um, for us is finding someone that was, you know, a lot of your, you know, you're very like-minded. I, I mean, in terms of what we wanted to achieve, you're a mother, uh, you had children, you had, had a family. So that was really important to us to get someone who could understand what we were trying to achieve. And, you know, we had a, a bunch of ideas about what we, wanted, what we wanted to do with the house and we didn't want to make a big house. So, you know. Um, and what kind of, I guess, frightened me as well is when we were trying to figure out what we were going to do, we got um, builders to come over and, and talk to us. And I would say, oh, I was kind of thinking this and I was kind of thinking that. And they just kept saying, yep, yep, we can do that. And it was setting off alarm bells for me because I don't know what I'm talking about. And they weren't saying, oh, no, that's not a good idea. They'd tell me how we could achieve that. And I'd be thinking, oh, well, that sounds ugly or that Mm. doesn't sound right. And um, our house being so old and being pre-1911, we didn't even know that there were things that we couldn't do and none of them – and when we did find out that there were things we couldn't do, none of them had told us that we couldn't do those things. Yeah. So, um, so that's how we sort of, you know, ended up where we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I I remember that initial that initial email, and I think my first response was, uh, uh, I sent it back a video to you, where I very uh, very carefully said your budget isn't going to be enough for the dreams that you have, which is, it's generally my first conversation with any homeowner. And, um, and it's kind of like, let's rip off the bandaid first and then see what we can, what we can do. And then you came back and and said, you know, that you appreciated the honesty and, and moved on to the next steps. And I think what I always really loved about that early contact with you was that you were really clear about what you were wanting to achieve, that it wasn't about taking this, you know, this gorgeous cottage and pretty much just bolting, you know, raising, building under, bolting on all this extra space. But it was how could you actually preserve the things that you loved about it, the character of it, the things that we knew we were going to have to protect because of the council restrictions and the area that you're in, but also preserve some of your back garden and, you know, kept uh, the sense of that indoor-outdoor connection and really made the most of it. And I think that, you know, it was really clear as we started to work through that the compact result that we were creating required some kind of decisions around where you're going to have an ensuite, how are you going to handle car accommodation, you know, where you're going to have um, the second living space, all of those kinds of things that I think a lot of people just take as a given when they start on on their project. They just sort of have a a real estate list of the metrics and don't start to question whether some of those spaces could be combined or could be completely eliminated in order to be able to create a better result for the smaller budget that they have. And so I just wanted to flesh out a little bit what led you to take that approach because you made some pretty unconventional decisions from the average homeowner in that process um, in the desire to protect your budget, to preserve the site, to preserve the quality of the, of the, the cottage style of the home. So how did you, you know, how did you navigate that and hang on to 
not letting it run away from you and sort of getting caught up in thinking about resale and all of those kinds of things. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, well, I think from the get-go, once we found your podcast, I think that challenged our beliefs quite a bit, which was great because, um, you know, like you said about our budget, it was it was it was unrealistic. Uh, unrealistic, yeah. But we didn't know what to gauge it on, really. And, and and let's face it, everybody wants to spend as little as possible and get as much as they can. Yeah. So you know, like it was it was fantastic to have that realism, so that we could actually sit down and go, what are we prepared to spend for um, for a, a more functional house that meets all our needs? And so that gave us a really good. Yeah, absolutely. A really good focus. And um, we're on a small block and we do love our yard. And I really wanted to still have some yard. I wanted to keep the footprint small um, but still have all the functionality. Yeah. And and we've been used to living in apartments and having lived here for 10 years in a small house, it, it worked for us. It was just with a growing family with two young children um there was only so long they were going to be able to share a room so. yeah yeah approaching their their teens oh approaching high school um that was always the aim it was you know by the time the, the eldest was going to high school that they would have their own rooms but that being said we didn't want to put you know extra rooms on that had no real benefit other than it was just an extra room oh, an extra playroom or an extra you know theater room or you know the, it's just not how we were used to living anyway so um so yeah when we when we had to look at what our you know address our budget we really wanted to put all um the possible money that we had to spend into the structure and the things that we can't change later so um yeah so rather than you know, you know like your podcasters have said about that is you know every square meter costs you money so so going back to actual actually fixing our house, making a smaller house and working on multifunctional rooms, uh, that was, you know, that was all really what we wanted to achieve. So, um, yeah. And things like we could put in a carport later um, if we decided that we needed one. Um, that's not, that doesn't impact the structure of the house. So we, we sort of went, okay, what, what can't be changed and let's focus on that. And then with, the, with things like the ensuite, um, I mean, it is a small house and we did want a bathroom upstairs and a bathroom downstairs. Having an ensuite would have meant three bathrooms in a really small house. So that seemed a little ridiculous. Yeah. So we just went, yeah. we it's, don't need it. It seemed like a luxury that we didn't really need. And frankly, everyone we know who has an ensuite says the kids come in there anyway. So <laughs> may as well just have a family bathroom. <laughs> yeah. And even that design of that bathroom, I, I think you've said before too, having con like lots of constraints on design means you have to work harder to and you can get better results from that and so like even the design of the three-way bathroom that just it works so effectively it's just yeah there's so many parts about this house because of the design um you know we couldn't have done this ourselves you know drawing you know oh we'll just put a bathroom there oh does that work or let's just put an extra room here so the value in having professionals who know do this day in day out is um yeah, is is fantastic on the end result. So, yeah, it's really exciting because I think I know as uh, from a design experience that the constraint does force you know more creativity, forces you to um, be a lot more intentional about 
the things that you prioritize versus the things that you don't. And so it's always fun as a designer to be really pushed, you know, to the edge of, of, of exploring those ideas and, and then really assessing the priorities. I know, you know, we, we looked at, I remember looking with the kitchen, looking at a few different options. Some had an island bench, some didn't. And it, it ended up working far better to just have this lovely long line of joinery that then didn't have an island bench as part of it. And you could use your dining table as far more of sort of an integrated experience. And, and that then lent, lent itself to having a larger living space that then had the opportunity to look out into the garden on two sides of it and get lots of lovely natural light into it. So it's this kind of – all of these decisions have consequential impact in, in uh, how the home design works. And if you haven't figured out what those priorities are first – you can very quickly end up with a result that isn't in alignment with where you want it to be. And I think, you know, when when we made that call about, okay, let's let's actually pull the car accommodation out of the car, because traditionally what you'd do obviously is you'd raise a Queenslander building underneath, put a double car garage in there, which will chew up 36 square metres, 40 square metres of that lower floor area. And then you have to navigate how are you positioning the house so that you get the driveway to work. Then that means that you're shoving the upper floor way up into the air, which this cottage that used to not be legal height underneath and had this nice proportion all of a sudden looks like a hat on top of sticks, you know, and it's you know, it's all that sort of aesthetic balance as well that you play with. But by pulling the cars out of it, all of a sudden a different conversation happens about how do we make the entry to the home feel great? How, you know, how do we build in capacity for your car accommodation to work later down the track if you do want to build in a carport? Um, and having the carport gave you the opportunity to actually bring that car accommodation closer to the boundary than you would have otherwise been allowed as well. So it's fantastic to sort of see how these things can get explored. Now, we obviously worked together when I was doing the design concept packages and uh handed over your design and so you had this design concept what did you do next like how did you then take that process through to find the right team to work with to then look at how you're going to navigate the remainder of that design phase so we basically used your podcast season for know your team as a bit of a shopping list lucky for us a lot of them were in Brisbane so um, we'd already had Aaron Wales uh, do the the measured drawings for the um, concept design so we engaged him to do the construction drawings and we had listened to uh, your interview with Dwayne Pearson and that had led us to his Instagram and his Facebook and we'd been sort of you know really devouring the posts stalking that him. he made yeah, yeah. really we, stalking him <laughs> we really loved his social media posts because they weren't the glossy finished homes they were all of a slab preparation and insulation and waterproofing and you know, um, one of my favourites was where he showed, he was up on a on a side roof showing the scribe lines that he put so they lined up all the nails. Um, and, you know, he said, even though you can paint over them and you don't see it, you kind of still do. And I guess it's just that, you know, finding a builder that still... Like, Cares craft, about those yeah, things. And craftsmanship was mm. important to them, um, was um, fantastic. So, yeah. So, so we, we organised to meet with Dwayne for him to come. And it was it was kind of like... It wasn't like us interviewing him to be our builder. It was like we were just desperate for him. We were really worried he wasn't going to take us on as clients. We're like, what if he won't take us? So we only ever really had him in mind. And, um, you know, we were just, we were really fortunate that, uh, you know, that yeah. he was happy to take us on. Yeah, and, and he could fit us in with his schedule um, quite quickly. But, yeah, we soon started to talk about 
the pack process, I guess. It wasn't called the pack process, I don't think, at that stage, and we hadn't heard of heard about that. Um, but just a, as, you know, paying for the him to be part of the design process. Um, so, yeah, that was, um, you know, we, we just said, yep, yeah, that sounds great. Um, we went ahead, so we um, had... Aaron and Dwayne, they both knew each other already, so that made that a lot easier as well. They'd already worked together on the same kind of process. Um, so, yeah, it was it was fantastic. It just, you know, for, from the get-go, I think uh, what we found is uh, finding people that you, that you trust to, you know, do the work for you, building it, that was important to us, was to build a team uh, where we all trusted each other. And we knew, um, you know, it was just, and by the end of it, it felt like, a, you know, family of friends almost that um yeah, I was really sad when it was over I was like oh these people are leaving our lives yeah. you spent you know what well, it was a good part of a year I guess it was you know half of the year was spent doing the design and construction drawings and then um the other part of the year was half of the year was doing the build so yeah it was it was it was uh, fantastic so uh, I mean going into this this is what we wanted our story to be you hear so many people have the um, the bad stories, you hear all the bad stories. And so when we're trying to ask people, do you have a good builder to recommend? Do you have a good designer? You know, no one could really tell us. Nobody said, yes, use yeah. my builder. Yeah. So, But um, we have said that and people have used our builder. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, yeah, so anyway, that's that's where we went from the, after the design concept. It was, um, yeah. Yeah. Can I just ask you about that trust thing? Because I know that there'll be lots of people who think, oh, yeah, I really want to find someone that I can trust. And then they'll they'll think that they've found that and then they'll end up with a horrible experience and they'll then um, get really cross with themselves for having naively trusted a person um, who didn't end up being what they seemed they were. How sure. did you get to a place where that trust, you felt that that trust was founded in actual professionalism and actual ability and skill and experience, you know, where, how did you sort of navigate yeah. figuring out how you were going to trust um, the people you were working with? That is a tricky one because um, before we'd found Dwayne, we did, we just didn't know how to, how to um, approach that. Uh, I mean, we'd been told, you know, ask for previous, you know, clients works, um, that kind of thing. But no builder's um, going to give you a, a client that's going to give them a, a bad spiel they'll yeah. only give you ones that will probably give them a good it, spiel so it is yeah, difficult and it, it is, is something um I've thought of a bit actually um because I was wondering we felt we felt really lucky like I said because um you had already interviewed um a lot of the people that we worked with so we we already felt when we met them for the first time that we'd already met them even though we hadn't. So they were coming cold, but we felt like we had a bit of a head start. We'd already yeah. heard a lot of their responses to questions that you had asked yeah. that were good questions. And so we we sort of already felt a, a little bit knowledgeable about them. Mm -hmm. And um, But I think continuing, like when we um, met with Aaron and when we met with Dwayne, um, his answers to any of our questions and how he handled things that we would say or we would ask they he always it's he kind of treated us with care and he um he was always really upfront and he always delivered on what he said he would so it, it's sort of like the trust isn't immediately there but it grows over time and I think that's probably you know at no point did you get that or oh, he didn't take my call or he didn't get 
back to me or he didn't do what he said he was going to do. So there was no erosion of the trust yeah. that was already there. I guess it's so that, I think yeah. it, it's continuing down that path, I guess, as you start to work with them. And I guess part of that pack process where you're working with the builder through that design process, every time we met, we, we got to talk through some, um, some more of the process. And so that trust is sort of gained as you go through that process. So of course, across five, six months, say, so once you actually get to the build, you should be certain at that point. Um, it just gives you a bit, yeah, because I guess in another world, if we'd just gone and just given a builder some drawings, um, yeah, that's the first that you meet them. Might be even, you know, the the day, you know, leading up to it. Okay, do the build, and then you start working with them when construction starts. So it just seems a more natural way to have the builder on board during the design process because they can most certainly um, provide useful feedback regarding cost and buildability and also save you money. Um, so we, we always thought when we're going ahead with this that the money that we spent to get um, Dwayne to do the quote was more than covered. You know, he saved us more money in terms of doing you know, suggesting different design, uh, you know, different types of materials and um, whether we needed steel in certain places or not. Um, yeah, all that, all that kind of thing. So, I mean, it just seems like now that we've done it this way, we were all like a lot of people beforehand. We, I guess we challenged what we knew. Um, there was a point where I said, I think um, early on, I said, well, I'd still want to get three quotes or something like that. I can't remember. It was really early on, and because that's what you do. Because that's what you do. That's what we were. But, everyone tells but you then so. you, you kind of. I had got uh, to the point where, you know, like I wouldn't want anyone else to build my house. So why would I get? Like I'm prepared to spend that amount of money to get the house that I want. So why would I go anywhere else? Yeah. And I guess it, it's the you know, lo looking at like Beck said, all, all the all the the answers that came back from Dwayne um, throughout the process and, you know, in terms of the cost and buildability, he gave us estimates straight up. and He nailed it. And he nailed it. Like by the time we got to the end of it, they were very careful about, uh, and Aaron as well, um, were both careful about when we were making tweaks to the design or, and, and saying, okay, if we make this decision, this is how much more it's going to cost. Um, but we can sort of maybe we can get to, take something out of this area. Are you happy with that? You know, so it was a, a very collaborative pro process as mm. well. And I don't think we could have done that without the builder um, being part of it, that process. So, yeah. Yeah, I um, I love that you shared those concerns because I know that um, it is very common. You just kind of expect that you're going to pit builders against each other and have them bid for whoever can do your project for the least amount of money and then figure out how you negotiate what you want with that builder. And so even when you enter a model like this, it's still probably in the back of your head of, oh, I'm going to need to check this in some way, shape or form. So I love that it got to the point for you where the relationship was so established and the understanding and the trust was there that, it, and you were happy with the amount that you were going to spend. So I think that's the key, isn't it? Like if you've, if you've got to, you know, did you, how, how did you, how did you get to a place where you went, okay, we've got this budget and so we know if we can get the things that we want for this budget where, 
you know, we're not going to entertain whether we could get it for $30,000 less or we could, you know, try and say, like how, because I can imagine you were getting questioned by friends and family who would have bent very well and had your best interests at heart. Why aren't you getting this quoted? Why aren't you tendering it? You know, this is a very unconventional approach. How did you sort of reconcile that yourself without having any doubt that this was the process for you? I don't think that we really gave people the opportunity to, we were sort of, we would talk at people about (laughs) about what we were doing and we weren't, we were never questioning. We didn't question ourselves. So there was no element of question. And I don't think people probably felt quite comfortable questioning what we were doing because this is how we were doing it. Yeah. But you know, I think, um, yeah, the, the, we were so comfortable with the process and we were just like, this is our builder and this is what he's going to achieve. And, and just, um, you know, I, I guess even from the, the, from a money point of view, you know, when we first met you, we were way, you know, we were way off. Yeah. And then, so we adjusted that. We came in conservative with that because, you know, like Beck said, why, you know, we were and spend as least no one, as possible. No one wants to be in debt or no, no one wants to, But you that know. seemed like a, a lot of money. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so we went ahead with that and then we talked to Dwayne. Dwayne came round. He looked around the building, assessed an old cottage, and so he's factoring all those things in at the same time. But then the cost as we went along, we, you know, like I said, we were conservative with our budget, but we sort of had a certain amount of money which we knew we could afford. And so when we were coming to that point of, okay, this is probably where we want to spend. Okay, there's, you know, we'll, we'll extend it a little bit. We're not going into massive debt that's going to cripple us, you know. Um, we're big fans of grand, grand designs, obviously, so we can, do, we can see what can really go <laughs> badly. So, um, Eating baked beans for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we've got this amazing house that, um, yeah, we, we makes us cry every day. Because, <laughs> you know. um, but, yeah, we... we, we we were sort of pushing that back and forth um, and we, we just came to a place where we were happy financially that we could cover that um, and we were getting enough of what we, what we needed in this house. And, and I mean, now we're sitting in this place and there's, there's nothing we would, would have changed from it. You know, we wanted to get to the end and not go, oh, I wish we had done that or, oh, geez, that was done not quite right. Now we have to fix that, you know. Um, I mean, if money were no object, we would have got Dwayne to do everything thing fences um oh, you know yeah, yeah. so uh, seats you know you just yeah and the carport <laughs> and that kind of thing but I mean in some ways not doing certain things like that you know you sort of go do we really need a carport now you know the car space works you know um I don't and, want I don't want to put a carport in front of our beautiful house yeah that's right and uh, and I mean you know this we always come back to this is um getting to this point we just challenged our uh, beliefs you know you, you mentioned about the um the kitchen island you know that's just what everyone throws in kitchens these days you got to have a kitchen island and and when we were looking at and you, you'd suggested a, a design a couple of designs one one of which we picked which didn't have a, a kitchen island and um just the the galley kitchen without a kitchen island you've got the table there which can kind of somewhat function as that same kind of thing people can sit and you know at the kitchen table and talk to us rather than and standing on the other side of a kitchen island and the kitchen island's not in the way um so yeah we have got more space and the galley kitchen works oh, it um, works wonderfully so you know i don't know why we you know a kitchen island would have made that worse so i i, I guess that 
questioning why you're doing things. Are you doing it because that's what everyone, you know, that th that's what's in the, the fancy catalogs and, and that kind of thing, or that's on Pinterest or um, you're seeing on Instagram. And um, I mean, we had those beliefs before that and we sort of challenged all that to make, you know, what we have and we've got no regrets whatsoever. You know, it's just, it's when you take things away, you can, you can have, you know, a better result, you know? So, so anyway, yeah, that's, <laughs> Yeah. That's where we are at. Right. No, yeah. I, I, um, it's really interesting because as, as a side note, I think that I find that the, a lot of the experience that I have in working with homeowners, um, and in the years that I've been doing this, renovating and building becomes almost a, a personal growth exercise as much as the process of you creating your future family home, because it's this, you know, you're of course creating the container that you're going to be living in and it's got to be a functional thing that delivers on a bunch of metrics that actually helps you kind of do your everyday life. And at the same time, it's loaded with a lot of emotional aspirations and dreams and hopes and ambitions for the future and uh, a lot of attachment that we have to what family life might look like and what home life looks like and what we might be trying to change from our own childhoods or what we might be able to, you know, trying to create for our own future. And then there's this whole layer of what it takes in terms of having honest conversations with people and getting to know yourself enough that you can then have ownership of the things that you want to then navigate achieving those inside of a project and finding the right people to bring on your team and create, have those like-minded um, value-based, you know, kind of conversations with people who get where you're coming from. So there's, you're not having to convince them of the things that you want. And what I hear in a lot of what you're saying is that you guys have a lot of self-trust in your, you've done a lot of work to get clear on how you want to live in the future, what you hold dear and important to you from a value sense, from priority sense, family sense, all of these kinds of things. So you bring a foundation, pardon the building pun, but you bring a foundation to then the thinking process that you have about a renovation or new build project. That means that you're much more resilient to those external messages of you aren't enough, you need to have extra, you need to have more, it's got to be this, it's got to measure up to this, you've got to spend more cash, this is about what everybody else thinks, it's not about what you think. Like you're able to be resilient to that because you've done that you know, you've, you've grown yourselves to have that self-trust that, and so, yeah, I laugh back when you say, I don't think we really gave people the chance to express their opinion because we kind of talked at them. That's what I see happen for people when they do do that personal work, they then get a confidence and an ownership of their own pathway. And then they can access the support and the help that they need through professionals. And, you know, that's why I'm so fortunate to work with people inside Undercover Architect, because it's that, it then you're basically looking for the flotation devices to steer your own ship through these things and the the people that are going to create guideposts for you but you can always come back to what you want to achieve and what you want and believe in as being the home that you're wanting to create so does that resonate with you in terms of yeah yeah, yeah the, the more we be, the, the more that we were clear about why like what we wanted and why we wanted it um, I guess, you know, your podcast and even part of the design process, your design brief that you got us to do as well, that made us uh, question a lot of, you know, why we needed a second, you know, spare bedroom and could that be a multifunction space? And, and um, I know, started carrying a notebook around me with, you know, I'd be hanging out laundry and I'd be standing at the 
clothesline and I'd, you know, see, oh, I really like this or I really don't like this and I'd start writing things down. And then later when we were trying to put the brief together, I was just flicking through the notebook thinking, oh, that's right, this is how I felt about this. And, you know, so I think um, because we all think we have a really clear idea of what we want, but when you try to be really intentional about it and write things down, it sometimes some of those, those things crystallize or fall away you know it's it's um and like you say it's that process of you know once you say this is what I want over here then that affects something else and as part of the design so um yeah being intentional about uh what you what you're trying to achieve with the design you know what why are you building you know what why you know so once we figured that out at the end of the process we could easily go back to the design and go, does it fulfill those things? Yes, it does. Tick, 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 tick. We're done. You know, there's no regrets about, oh, we really needed that extra something, whatever it is. And, you know, having a small house that's designed well, um, it's amazing. It's amazing every day that there's nothing, um, yeah, so many nice little spaces in the house. And I guess what we did, which was um, a bit different with these old Queenslanders, is we flipped the... um, the, so we have the living spaces downstairs and the bedrooms upstairs. So you enter at the bottom. And I mean, some people do that, but a lot of people still continue to do upstairs, but as bedrooms. But when we did that, we just had a better connection to the um, outdoors as well. And having a small house where you can stand in this small house and see outside from most every point in the house, you're getting that light, you're getting the, all the greenery that we have in this beautiful suburb that we're in. Um, you know, and you can just walk out and have a cup of tea outside in a, in a nice spot because there's sun there. And then the, the day changes and then you go to this other spot that you can just get to like that. And it's it's just fantastic. So, yeah, it's it's amazing what you can achieve with good design and good thought. Good, yeah. And, and challenging the, um, your your beliefs, but also going through that process of evolving. You know, we're different people um, now than what we were when we started mm. and that's you know I guess another thing that I um I found is you know getting educated about the design process and the and the building process and what's involved meant that I could you know both of us could be um you know quite you know when we're having the conversations with the other professionals we kind of knew what we wanted to talk talk to them about and then they could understand what we were where we were coming from and then when they had alterations or improvements to what we were saying we understood that and could make it an easy decision so also yeah. you've totally ruined us Amelia for going to other people's houses because we <laughs> walk around and go there's no design thought here <laughs> you can join me in my occupational hazard where I walk into a house and figure out what I do to change it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've turned you into design detectives hey yeah <laughs> No, that's fantastic. Well, um, just on that, because you um, you uh, were members of uh, my online program through all of this, how did you feel that that helped you? You mentioned, you know, just actually being able to have much more informed conversations with people, getting that level of knowledge over and above the podcast, and really sort of deep diving into what you needed to know. How did you how did you feel that that helped you navigate? the process and you know were there any surprises in that and and uh you know that 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 just sort of just changed your project experience I think um one of the really big benefits 
because it, it, it feels like you've got a how-to guide with you all the time. So whenever a new part of the project would start or you'd, you'd, you'd go and, and have a look and um, check that you were up to date with everything you needed to know. And so that was a really big confidence boost um, that it, it felt really great to have. And again, like Glenn said, that the process of being educated uh, was it, it was a process, and it was re- and it was a really important process. We needed to start knowing nothing, and we progressed through to knowing a lot, and that was really helpful. It made us feel confident uh, throughout the process that we weren't asking silly questions, or that um, you know we didn't feel on the wrong foot, I guess, at any point because we had additional information that we wouldn't otherwise have had. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I I think access to the Facebook group as well, which was pretty useful. I think I asked a couple of questions there related to uh, things such as tile offsets, which it turns out there's a a bunch of different ways to do third offsets. So um, (laughs) that was was pretty useful. But I think, uh, you know, Aaron and Dwayne were really good um, so they sort of tended to, you know, take on a lot of the things that uh, were available to us in the in the the home method. But one thing that we found a lot of value was the interior design component. So um, that helped us. So, I mean, we we yeah, we sort of in the beginning we were all about the home method, and then about you know, sort of part way through we morphed into we being could've... all about the uh, interior design program. So you know, it definitely uh... yeah, that was really useful. Uh, um, yeah, and that's where the, the third offset came from as well. But um, we um, had an interior designer work with us as well, which was fantastic. And, you know, this is the thing too. I guess w- having professionals, we had, you know, we, we could have done a bunch of this stuff ourselves, but we kind of knew what we wanted to do. But having the designer who does this day in and day out just eased that process so much. And they got the best out of us. They sort of looked at you know, interviewed us, we, we sort of said, these are the things we're looking at. And they came back and we went, that's, you've nailed it. That's great. It's kind yeah, of funny so. because we would never have picked ourselves as interior design type no. people. Um, <laughs> we, the people that would hire an interior designer to, you know, pick their fittings and fixtures, but we had no idea when it came to colour or anything. So I think one of the big takeaways for us out of this whole process is that people are professionals for reasons and we're we're professionals in other things, not yeah. building architecture or, uh, you know, lighting yeah. design. <laughs> I'm a software developer by trade and I can understand that laying good foundations in design is, is makes a lot of difference down the track. Um, and also when I'm working with clients and trying to figure out what they're doing, a lot of the time they explain what they think is the solution. And inevitably, because I, I'm a software developer, I you know, I could say, oh, okay, you don't really want that, you want this. And then, you know, just because they, they don't understand how software is designed and how it's implemented, they come up with a different result. And I, I kind of felt like we were a bit like that. We were trying to you know, shoehorn bathrooms in different points because we, or, or the, the spare room. And, you know, when you came back with the designs, you had a, a, t- a totally different, you know, and angle we thought, on that, but yeah. still got the same, you got a better result. And we thought know. to ourselves, huh, I'd never have thought of think yeah. would never have thought of doing that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. Yeah. I think um, 
what I really uh, thought was uh, amazing with the way that you guys approached your project was how you thought about investing your budget. So I'll find that there are homeowners who have significantly more, you know, you come, you came with this bucket of money that had to pay for everything. And so, which is what most homeowners do, they sort of figure out what's the most that they can afford uh, to spend on this project based on what they think they might get for it. And then it's a case of where that project, where that budget gets dedicated towards to try and get the results. And what I I really loved about the way that you guys worked was you looked at that bucket of money and it wasn't just all about what you were going to spend on construction it was what you were going to invest in the help that you were going to access the learning you were going to do to set yourself up for a far better project so it meant that you would have less for your construction budget but you had all of that assistance and support and guidance to ensure that whatever got spent on your construction budget really got maxed out to its full potential and and as a result, had a much um, smoother experience and I believe created a far better outcome than if you just turned around and said, we're going to do it the traditional way and we're just going to save as much of our money as we can for the construction process itself. So, and I, I, you know, I often say that I feel like people have a relationship with the money for their project because they see it as, you know, zeros on a bank statement. It doesn't feel real. Whereas the money that you're spending on professionals up front, like in the pack process fee and in my fee at the time and in Aaron Wales's fee, you know, that's seen as real money leaving your account. So it hurts a lot more than the mortgage payments. Um, that feel, you know, death by a thousand cuts. So, <laughs> so but it's, uh, but I, did you, I mean, was there a particular strategy? Did you, cause you, you, some people will say, gosh, they spent a lot of money on professionals. I can't imagine doing that for my project. You had me, you had Aaron, you had Dwayne in the pack process and then obviously used him as a builder. You had an interior designer um, and I'm sharing your Instagram account. I really encourage people to check it out because uh, the interior design choices that you made, again, they were not run of the mill and yet they're so perfect for you guys and for that house. Um, and they show a lot of... Um, ownership again of what you wanted to do and uh, what you wanted to have around you and they're just fantastic in terms of the environment that they create. So in terms of making those decisions about those individual professionals you were going to bring on board plus joining the online programs, how, you know, what was your rationale with that in terms of knowing that that was going to take money away from your construction budget but that was the right decision for you? It it's definitely a journey to get to that point. I remember, again, very early on when we were in the uh, paralysis by analysis stage, I had said, and, and this is going to sound really ridiculous in, hind, you know, in hindsight, but I had said to Glenn, I don't want to pay $10,000 to get plans done, which is a tiny amount for plans and, yeah. um, and, and really shows my ignorance because what I was really saying is I don't want to spend $10,000 on plans we are never going to use because we can't afford to build it and it doesn't reflect what we want because that's just wasted money. Once I realised that I was happy to spend any amount of money to get the house that we wanted, you know, up to our budget, but, you know, like I was prepared to spend that money on professionals that were going to give me what I wanted um, that wasn't going to be wasted money because we do know people who have paid lots of money for plans that they can't afford to get built. And, you know, so it, that, that's just money out the door. Um, so that was a journey realising that, you know, like it's not that I didn't want to spend the money, I didn't want to waste the money. Um, and we didn't. So we might have spent, um, you know, a fair amount of money in people's eyes, but it wasn't wasted and we've got this beautiful 
result. We've so got that's a better, better result. That, and that's a journey, that. I think, to get yeah. to that point. And it's about again the education and about the process because you know I wasn't prepared to spend, like I said, ten thousand on plans in the beginning stages. And, so and and I guess we we really wanted to have a good result. We wanted it to be fun. We wanted it to be enjoyable. We wanted to to come out the end of it and say we'll do that again, which we did. And um, I remember Dwayne said early on when we met him that he, he had clients like that that would say, yeah, I've got another client who's just finished, you know, a couple of years ago and he, and he, they, they wanted to do another house with him. Uh, um, but I guess as we went along with that and we trusted our, our team, um, the main thing we were looking for is, you know, the peace of mind. I mean, that's priceless. When you, when you know that everything's going to go as well as it possibly can, you know, things happen on, on builds and having a builder who, um, you know, finds a solution for, you know, an issue when it happens and, and, and smooths it over like n- no problem. I mean, that's what we loved about working with Dwayne as well. But, I mean, that peace of mind where you, you, you know that it's all going to be fine and a result will happen and then at the end of it, you know, we were so excited you know, Dwayne likes to have his Monday or, you know, has a site meeting every week. And every Monday was like, oh. Site meeting is, Monday, yay. Site meeting Monday. Hashtag site meeting Monday we had on our Instagram, you know. And <laughs> so we'd go along and, and you know, it'd be fun. We'd just go and look around. He'd explain what they were doing. He'd say, okay, we're having a slab pour next week. It's a pretty good, you know, part of the process. You want to come down and have a look and I'll show you what, what we've done, you know, where we've gone above and beyond, you know. And all that transparency as well was was fantastic. But yeah, I would say the peace of mind that we got from working with a team that we trusted was, is priceless. So it doesn't doesn't matter that um, that took away from our construction budget because I think we saved a lot of you know uh, uh, we saved a lot of money up. We, we spent money up front that's not going to cost us down the road. You know, I think um, um, something that's worth. Uh, noting as well which we didn't know at the time was that the money like banks will give you money for building they won't give you money for professionals up you know in the beginning stages so um you know like that's part of i think where perhaps the the building industry is is broken on the finance side is that um you know like you can't borrow to pay for a building designer or an interior designer or an architect um, or or even for the builders um, you know like to be involved in the design process and that fee so you know like you have to have that money available in order to um, to make that happen and we were really lucky in terms of um, having good professionals as we had a fantastic uh, um, bank manager who you know had said in the beginning when we were doing our budget and we were saying you know, like what we want to build this house, what can we afford, what can we borrow, how, you know, um, help us work this out. She said, you know, you've got a lot of equity. Why don't we um, draw some of that now so that you can pay for all of those um, fees that you're going to need to pay because you're not going to be able to access uh, the money until construction. And that was really helpful. So having a, a good bank manager as part of your team is a really important thing as well. And I don't think we realised yeah. how valuable that was until then. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I, um, it's amazing how multidimensional and multidisciplinary it is, isn't it, in terms of building that yeah. team. I always say renovating a building is best done as a team sport and it, it extends to where the money comes from as well. So 
I'm just wondering in regards to the PAC process, you touched on some of the things that, you know, were possible in terms of exploring ideas of where you could save money. Do you have any tips for people who might be considering the PAC process, what they should be looking for, what they, you know, those nerves that, that you, you can understand people will have in terms of navigating that PAC process? Anything to share from your experience? Um, having Dwayne at the at the design meetings when we were um, going through doing the planning with Aaron was so valuable because like even just with not just with the sort of the saving but him understanding where we were coming from understanding our wants um, our desires when he was on site then he would say to his team oh no you know they might suggest something and he would say oh no Beck and Glenn don't want it like that. They want it like this and here's their reason. So he was really invested in in our ideas. He knew that. It, it wasn't like we had to re-communicate it to him. He'd been through it along with us. And having him sort of safeguard our, um, our feelings and our desires was really valuable. I think that's probably the best yeah, and I mean, for, for the cost of having a designer, you, you just got to look look at it as the way of having a builder be part of that design process. You're going to save that money. Like probably the biggest example for us um, of that, where we we just went, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that we did it this way. Was um, there was a a mistake made um, by the engineer on the engineering drawings, and Aaron had uh, loaded the engineer's drawings over his. Um, drawings and they didn't match up and he rang Dwayne and said Dwayne I can't get these to match up Dwayne went and sat down with Aaron they went through it they solved the problem we didn't know anything about it and you know we didn't have the stress we didn't have any um, worries and I don't think I really appreciated what that had meant until later at a, a site meeting Dwayne had said oh yes normally that would only get picked up you know after the slab had been poured and after the um, the posts were in place and, and then the builders having to explain to the client why the wall's in the wrong place and they just have to live with it. And in a small design like ours, having a wall out by 200 mil would make a really yeah. big difference. And that's not something that would be changed. You would just have to live with it. So having your team talking to each other and being able to communicate independently of us was such a, a a major boon um, to us and, and, and probably the biggest example of, of why that process worked for us. Yeah, I think that's fantastic and I really appreciate you sharing that example because that's where I see the true power of it is that you can have two industry colleagues who have different skill sets sitting down at the table discussing and nutting out those kinds of issues before you even get to a site and it becomes a drama. You know, it all gets ironed out and managed and the drawings then that you're starting with are the right set of drawings that are fully coordinated um, it's just fantastic. So I'd love to, as we wrap up, I'd love to hear um, and uh, probably a little bit selfishly actually given that um, the design um, started on my drawing board. <laughs> I, uh, what, what you, you know, what your favourite things about the house and, and perhaps even things that are a bit unexpected. Um, it's always... It's always really interesting for me as an architect because I know that to design a house, whilst it's on the drawing board, I have to be able to physically walk around it inside my head in order to know that it's moving in the right direction. I can't show it to a client until I've physically walked around it inside my head. So 
it's funny because I haven't been to see your house in person. I've of course seen all the photographs, but I've walked around your house inside my head, you know, so wow. many times. <laughs> so, so I know that uh, uh, when I eventually do come to visit, it's it's not going to be the surprise will be what you did with the finishes and those kinds of things, and then also your all your own personal touches. But the bones of it will feel very very familiar to me. So, um, but yeah, what what. Um, you know, what, what has it felt like? Because I can imagine maybe there were some nerves about it being a compact home, that you weren't going to have the space that you thought you needed, that it might not work in certain areas um, and, and give the, you the functionality that you needed, particularly with a growing family. How's it been living in the house? It, it's been amazing and we had a really lovely experience um, over Christmas. We had a family of four from South Australia come and stay with us and, you know, the kids doubled up in their bedroom and, um you know, the adults stayed in the spare room and, and we, we never once felt cramped or in each other's way. We had, you know, the eight of us, you know, downstairs, um, you know, there'd be someone in the kitchen making some breakfast, a couple of people sitting around the kitchen table. There were people sort of sitting in the on the lounge chairs and people sitting outside and we could all talk to each other and all feel together, but we still had separate spots and we were doing separate things and it, it was just... It, really illustrated, I think, how well the house functions, um, that we could be so comfortable with eight people in a small area. And we could have had them stay with us for a lot longer and not felt like we were all um, under, you know, stepping on each other's toes. It was, it, it just, it really helped us to realise how, you know, what a nice space it was. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, we touched on it before, but just that indoor-outdoor connection, that's, that's been that, that's something that we wanted to achieve with this build, and it's just been amazing. Um, you know, I, I work from home full time now since for the last twelve months since um, yeah since COVID kicked in, and I get to be home a lot more now, and it's fantastic seeing the sun at different times of the day, and there's always a place that I can sit and get some warm sun warm sun in winter or get out of the sun. Um, in summer I mean that was one of the big things that we had no idea about before we found your podcast too is how important orientation of site and design um, that's in you know and that's just been amazing um, mm. I mean we with our little cottage we some of the things that we didn't want to lose was the, the the beautiful feeling that you came through down that central hallway and you came to the back and there was these big windows that opened up and all these uh, fantastic trees which is once again, they're borrowed greenery. They're all in someone else's yard, but they're established and it's just an amazing view. And um, we, we still have that, but then and some. Yeah. You know, we've got, um, yeah, just the the beautiful outdoor area as well. There's just a little nook up here off the bedroom. And, it's just, and yeah, it's lovely. The key, This is the other thing too. We, we each have uh, each of the three bedrooms upstairs, which is our private space. We each have our own little private deck. So the kids have their little deck across the front. So that's extended kind of external space, which adds to their bedroom space. Um, so, you know, all these kind of like little bits and pieces that have been added to this house, which, you know, it's still a quite a small house. I think internally it's only 142 square metres, I think, if you don't include the external space and the car space and that kind of thing, which, you know, 70... 71 square meters on either level and it's just it's just amazing um that it still works so well but you know we we had no idea we could make it um you know 
This good. It, make it this good, yeah. And, and I mean, I think the other thing is well, we've got this lovely garden that we did out front, which is landscape. That's something that we did after the fact. We would have loved to have got um, had people do that for us. But I think taking the time and thinking about it, we had um, Alison from the Green Boutique, um, who's a landscape architect, work with us. And so we got her to do some designs with that and then we implemented it. And it's it's amazing too, you know. Um and while we were while we were um, doing that garden out the front, all because uh, our, our street is a big dog walking street because it's a dead end street, but there's a pedestrian access street, so lots of people walk up our street. And it was so lovely the number of people that stopped to say, "Oh, I really love what you've done with the house." So you know that was a nice yeah vote of confidence from the neighbourhood. Yeah, I think with our house too, we wanted to um, you know with the front of our yard, we didn't want to put up big big six, fences, no, no six big foot six, fences yeah. and we wanted to sort of still continue to engage with the neighbourhood and that's that's been a fantastic thing too because, you know, we, we're often at sitting out the front in our garden and talking to people as they go past and, you know, watching the kids play in the, in the street cause, because it's a cul-de-sac, you know, and it's, yeah, there's just such a lovely feel to the house which we didn't want to lose with having a beautiful old cottage and it's what we kind of fell in love with this place and this location and we've just sort of enhanced it but um, without, make, you know, taking up the whole block, you know, we've still got a lot of yard and um, <laughs> that being said about the landscaping, we've still got to do the backyard. Yeah, it's not landscaped <laughs> uh, yet. <laughs> yeah, we've been here seven months, I think. So the front yard was done pretty quickly because um, it needed to be. It needed to be, otherwise we'd have a lot of mud carted into our house. But, yeah, the backyard, we're getting pretty close. We're just about to start doing that ourselves so you know I think since we started since we've moved in here our Instagram has kind of stalled we've had a couple of posts because we're just loving it and living living here but um it is hard to take insta worthy photos when you've got kids it's just like <laughs> there's always something in the way <laughs> yeah and also because our backyard we've got a lot of glass and it looks house. out into and, the backyard and you can look right through our house you know from the front yard too um yeah any photos that you take with this backyard it just looks <laughs> you need to get in all the planting yeah. done <laughs> yeah so yeah we're looking forward to doing that over the next couple of months um but yeah that's fun that's a once again that's a it's something we'll grow we'll literally grow with with us so oh and it's yeah. that it's the joy of that delayed gratification as well you know you keep getting the hits and the wonder and the surprises and the enjoyment over a staggered period of time rather than it all being about that overnight sort of result. So, and I think too, when, when uh, the, it's, it is kind of, um, there's, there's always an opportunity to save some stuff for yourself that you do, you know, you do uh, put your own stamp on it and your own hands, you know, into it. So landscape's always a great opportunity to do that. And it's fantastic that you had that landscape design input. Um, from somebody so that you can create that great result and then and then ran with it. So um, Beck and Glenn, I can't thank you enough. You've been so generous with sharing your experience and giving so many wonderful tips and insights to your journey renovating this beautiful home. It's been fantastic to chat with you and to listen to the experience. And um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, I feel very privileged to have been part of your journey and to to have yeah been part of creating this home with you and um and super excited that it's it's working out so well for you and I just uh I hope that it brings you many many years of happiness with your family and uh and you know that you get to celebrate and share lots of great memories there so thank you so much for chatting with me I really appreciate it thanks no, Amelia no seriously thank 
you because this is where it all started and it's 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 um this is all because of you i mean um the, where we're at the moment and it's it's just fantastic you know it really is so yeah this podcast i think is the biggest tip you know anyone we see now is just like okay you're building you just need to start here just do this and um you know so um yeah no thank you so much we'll, we'll look forward to having you over for a a cup or all that, or, or a t- or a drink. <laughs> Can't wait. Have some description. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> I do hope that you enjoyed that conversation and that you found it super helpful. I think Beck and Glenn dropped so many gems and insights that are going to be fantastic for anyone embarking on a similar journey. And I particularly loved hearing how they navigated the process of, you know, staying true to what they were really seeking to achieve and how important it was for them to surround themselves with the right people and the education that they needed as well. I do want to say a huge, huge thank you to Glenn and to Beck for be, for agreeing to be on the podcast and being guests. Uh, I find that it can be a bit of a challenge to get members to talk generally publicly on the podcast, uh, to you know, to share their project and experience publicly. And I completely understand because it's such a personal journey. You're talking about your house, you're talking about your finances, about your decisions, about your values. You know, it can be a really personal thing to share, but I know that having Beck and Glenn share their learnings and experience with you here is so worthwhile. And so I'm really, really grateful to them. Now, to learn more about the online program that Beck and Glenn were members of, which is my flagship program, The Home Method, you can head to www.homemethod.com.au and you'll be able to find out more information about it. And remember, you can also find the links, you can see the floor plans, you can check out Glenn and Beck's Instagram account by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 205. That's the numbers 205. All the resources that I've mentioned are there. Please share this podcast episode with family, friends, colleagues, even strangers, basically anyone that you know it may help so that we can get this information and knowledge into the ears and hands of as many homeowners as possible and improve their experience of designing, building and renovating their family homes. I love hearing the stories of those who found this podcast thanks to the generosity of another listener. It is just awesome. Now, if you haven't left a review on the Undercover Architect podcast, especially if you listen on iTunes, I would be so grateful if you please could. It really makes a difference in enabling this podcast to reach others that it can help. And it also ensures that I can continue to grow the podcast and get amazing guests and information on here as well. Be sure to tune in for our next episode, which lands each Tuesday morning to access helpful information and education in your project journey so that you can get it right as you design, build or renovate your family home. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.